praise the Lord. Well, God is good. Did you come to receive tonight? Praise the Lord. Well, I came to came to minister tonight, that's for sure. We have uh, my time with you on the midweek services. We've been talking about the life of faith, living the life of faith, and this is how we're called to live as believers, and, and um, it's kind of, it was kind of my commission this year, um, so basically for 10 months, that's what we've been doing, at least my time with you, and um, so we have uh, some key verses that we've been using, um, just real quick, just quick review again, Mark 11, uh, 22, this is, of course, there's a whole story that played out here, and Jesus answering, uh, you know, a question, and he says, he said, have faith in God. Amen. How I many know that's kind of a no-brainer? Amen. But, uh, but yet, the more uh, we dive into this, the more you realize, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty profound. And, um, you know, we, you catch yourself sometimes maybe not being so much in faith as we should, and uh, not that we're trying to look, uh, look for all that, but I think it's sometimes just being, having our eyes open to what it really means to have faith in God, and that's kind of what we've been doing. And Let's look at a couple other translations. The Amplified just adds the word really constantly. So have faith in God constantly. And I think that's, again, you know, sometimes we, you know, based on maybe what we're dealing with, what we're going through, we might, you know, we might, you know, move toward walking by faith. And, and uh, but God, you know, the word says here constantly. And I just think that's, a, you know, that's, that's accurate. It should be something that every day, that's how we live, praise God. The word faith, by the way, the Greek word pistis. Uh, P-I-S-T-I-S is the Greek word, and, and it just means to, uh, to believe, to have faith in, to uh, have confidence in, to have trust in. Um, other synonyms, stuff like uh, conviction, reliance, dependence, assurance, these are all synonyms to this word faith, amen. So uh, depending on how it's used, of course, in a sentence, uh, you know, it depends on what word you're using. So, but the idea is to, uh, to walk in confidence, you know, in your God. Amen. Every day, praise the Lord. Let's look at the next translation. It's the message. It just says this, Jesus was matter of fact, embrace this God life. I like it. That's why I use this one here because it just the way he said it. Embrace this God life, really embrace it, and nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, uh, we're going to come back to that here in a minute. This mountain, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake. No shuffling or shilly shallying <laughs> and it's as good as done praise God amen praise the Lord and now let's go again to uh, Hebrews 10 put that verse up there again we've taken the time to go through this whole text but we're just going to kind of bring the key verse out in this text it says the just shall live by faith this is how we live it's how you conduct your life live your life every day the word just again uh, just justify justification righteous righteousness all of those other it's the same Greek word and uh, how many know that's who you are? That's not what you're trying to become. Uh, that's not based on your lifestyle. Okay, sometimes people get the word righteousness and holiness mixed up. Righteousness is who you are. You're the righteousness of God. You're the justified. You're just based on what Christ did. Amen. So anybody that's received Christ came into a place of justification or a place of righteousness based on what Jesus did. Amen. You couldn't do enough good to become righteous. You couldn't do enough good to become justified. You're justified, you're righteous or right standing with God based on what Christ did. So the just, which is you and me, the just is how we live, 
We live by faith, by confidence in God, by reliance and dependence and assurance in God. Amen. By believing God. Amen. And it says, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Of course, it goes on to talk about, you know, we're not of those who draw back. Amen. To perdition or destruction. Amen. Uh, so the bottom line is, I, you know, I like to always kind of toss in there. Uh, to me, faith really is about moving forward, not backing up. I mean, anytime you look at any part of your life and you want to know, am I, am I walking in faith or not? Well, are you moving forward in that area of your life? Are you pressing forward? Are you moving forward? Well, then chances are you're probably walking in faith. Amen. Still with me? Amen. So every week, been coming at, uh, you know, different things about it. And so we're going to go back again to Mark 11, please. Mark 11. And even though we've, uh, you know, several months back took a text, you know, took this and kind of dived in, dove into it a little deeper, we're going to do the same thing again today, except kind of go the different direction with it. Mark 11, 22. Uh, again, let's put that verse up there. Let me get turned here in the scriptures here. Okay, verse 22, again, just says, And Jesus answered them and said, What have faith in God? For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe. Everybody say believe. Those have faith in, right? That's the Greek word pistio, okay, which comes out of the word pistis. Okay, you have to have faith or believe in. Pistio just means to, again, to, to release faith towards or to have faith in or to trust in or to rely on. Okay, so it's just kind of, again, based on how it's used in a sentence. But basically, to have faith, right? Uh, but believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, because of that, here's the principle. I say to you, whatever things you ask or desire, one translation says, one says, you know, pray, uh, okay, whatever you ask when you pray, I guess, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, what are we to believe? That we receive, right? Now, what, uh, so uh, receive what? Whatever we ask for, right? That's what it says in verse 24. If we were to look at 23, if we're to believe, what are we, what are we to believe there? 23, I mean, yeah. Huh? That whatever you say is going to happen. In this, in this text, it talks about, you know, saying to the mountain. Now, the word mountain just means that which towers over or appears, you know, monstrous or, uh, you know, bigger than life, you know. Uh, that's what it's referring to. So anything that, you know, you're dealing with, you know, that all of a sudden that thing t begins to try to tower over you, you're called to say to that thing, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, Right? And not doubt in your heart, but you believe that those things, those things which you say will be done. And he will have whatever he says. And then it goes, therefore, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So the point being is that, you know, when you, can you, when you kind of look at prayer, and of course, oh, I suppose, I don't know, it's been now a few months, maybe a couple months back, we, in our Sunday, one of our Sunday services, we talked about prayer a little more in depth, and we talked about you know, how prayer is really, really two two things. It's 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 communion with heaven and dominion on earth. So when you talk about prayer and what you're doing in prayer, you know you're you're obviously you know anytime you study prayer, prayer is about using your mouth. It's not about thinking a prayer. Come on, but you're saying something, you're proclaiming something, 
And part of that prayer time is, is communion with heaven or with the Father. And at the same time, you're taking dominion on planet Earth with your words. Come on. So you just have to keep that in mind because some of the things we're talking about. So he's talking about this text really is about, you know, communion and dominion. You know, so, you know, we're to believe, right, that we receive what we say, what we ask for. Amen. That's, that's what's being said here. So believe that we receive. Now, um, if you remember, you know, several, what, I don't know what's, how many weeks back it's been now when Trudy did that whole series on, on uh, you know, health and wholeness, and uh, that was a pretty powerful series. And uh, she talked about this, uh, you know, some of these things about uh, receiving. Remember that? She took a, some time and that. What's the Greek word for receiving? Lambano. Remember that? She took some time and that kind of been a kind of a little, you know, thing that we kind of, you know, looked at. And, but it means to accept or to take hold of, okay, to attain or obtain or seize something. But it literally means, if you, I mean, as you get into it, it means to, a, to seize it aggressively or violently, even, even uses that word. And so when we're talking about believe that you receive, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, you know, you are putting trust or committing trust or faith toward obtaining what's yours, okay? So now he's talking about here about having faith in God so that when you begin to stand your ground and who you are or what you're praying, what you're believing, what you're asking in prayer, that you're, amen, not just kind of out there, you know, nonchalantly throwing out words, but you are believing that you receive. That's going to become up pretty key because sometimes the reason that we're not receiving is because we're not believing that we receive. All right? So you have to, you know, commit trust or faith in the fact that you have already received what you've said, what you've asked, what you've prayed. Are you still with me? Because sometimes that's the key. Sometimes we don't believe we receive until we actually see it. And how many know that ain't how it works in the spirit? It's the opposite. You know, some people say, well, I don't, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, you must be from Missouri. <laughs> oh, never mind. I can't pick on them. I got Missouri people listening. Amen. Hallelujah. So, no, what is it, the show me state? I think they call it the show me state, you know. Show me and I'll believe it, you know. But, uh uh, that ain't how it works. You know, that's like the guy goes up to the fireplace and says, give me some heat and I'll give you some wood. I mean, that ain't how it works, is it? Well, faith the same way. You know, you know there were many, uh, many folks who, uh, in a sense, were healed. Uh, not in a sense, but they actually were. As they went, the word says. They went and did what he said. They believed they received it before it ever happened. But when they went and did what he said, by the time, you know, they got there, they were made well and whole. Amen. Or they were believing for another individual, amen, and by the time they got there, they were made well, amen, because that individual believed that they, Lambano, received it, seized it, praise God, when they asked. Still with me? That's, that's pretty key with where we're going to go today, all right. So <laughs> anyway, so let's see here. Uh, years ago, uh, one of these, uh, uh, I don't remember now, it might have been uh, Mike Miele one time made a comment, and I don't know, it just kind of stuck with me, but uh, he said, you know, you know, Jesus gave us permission to believe for the impossible. 
Amen. Uh, Mark 9 and 23, uh, put that verse up if you don't mind, brother. Um, oh, Karen, it's Karen back there today. I thought it was Ben earlier today. But Karen, thank you. All right. Jesus said, if you can believe, what happens? All things are possible to him who believes. Well, believes what? Believes that you receive. All right. Now, all things are possible if you believe it. All right. So uh, we're going to come back to that text. But Jesus gave us permission to believe for the impossible. Right? Things that are, you know, out most of the world would see as impossible. To him, nothing's impossible. Right? Um, I think Luke 1 brings out, he's, you know, talking to Mary. They said, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Right? Luke 18 and I think Matthew 19 brings out, uh, you know, that even the things which are impossible with men are not impossible with God. So if we connect, you believe that you receive, what you're connecting now is a realm of possibility. Amen. You're in that realm now where all things are possible because you believe that you receive. Believe what? Well, the things that you've said, the things that you've asked, the things that you've prayed. Amen. Depending on whether you're using you know, your dominion on planet Earth or communion before the Father. The Word even says this in 1 John, to, uh, that this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Well, what's His will? Well, His Word. Amen. And uh, the Word says you're to have confidence in that or faith in that. Amen. And if you have faith in that, then you know, hey, that He hears me. And if I know that he hears me, then I know that I have what I've asked for. Amen. But you're going to have to have, you know, you're going to have to believe that you receive. Still with me? Yep. Somebody said, well, what if we don't, we're not believing? Well, get there. The only way that can happen is you just got to keep hearing it, keep hearing it, keep hearing it until you get to the place there's no more question marks. Still with me? Yep. There's no condemnation. If people ain't getting it, there's no condemnation. Just keep hearing it till you do get it. That's the way it works for any of us. Are you still with me? Okay, so what we're going to talk about tonight is the things that kind of get in the way of you believing, okay, believing that you receive, because there are things that get in the way of it, right? They're just things that get in the way, and sometimes if you know the things that get in the way of it, then you can eliminate those things or deal with those things right away so they don't become a hindrance to you receiving. First one's in this uh, text. Go back to Mark 11 again, verse uh, 23. Mark 11 and 23, please. And it says here that you gotta, you got to believe, it says, uh, and does not, here we go, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. So one of the things that can get in the way in this text it brings out is the word doubt. Everybody say doubt. Uh, yeah, well, we've all been there. Amen. So what does doubt mean? Well, uh, doubt means to waver or hesitate, uh, means uncertainty. So we're supposed to have certainty, but it, doubt means uncertainty. Uh, doubt also means a lost, uh, or pardon me, lost confidence, uh, which we're supposed to have confidence. So doubt comes in and makes you now lose confidence. Come on. It means also to separate thoroughly from, in other words, wherever you're heading, it could cause you to separate and go another direction. Well, or it means to oppose something. Now, the you know I bring this out a lot with this word doubt. The word doubt comes from the the the, the root word is dis. 
okay, which means two, twice, again, uh, which means basically a second thought. Something comes in and now it causes you to hesitate, causes you to stumble, becomes this roadblock. Come on, this are more, more, of a, more of a hiccup, all right? And if you don't deal with it right away, it'll cause you to separate from what you're, what you're aiming for, all right? Now, uh, Peter, in, in, in uh, uh, Matthew 14, the story where Peter walked on the water, uh, you know, is kind of a, a, a cool text for this because, you know, here it is, you know, Jesus walking on the water, and, uh, you know, he's going across the sea. Now, how many know Jesus didn't always walk on the water? But this particular time, he walked on the water. Now, you know, the story kind of unfolds. You know, he sends everybody across the sea because that's where you're supposed to go. Go, I got to go to the other side. And so he sends everybody to the other side. He goes off to pray. And by the time he gets done praying, there ain't nobody around. He's by himself. Comes down. I'm, I'm sure what happened. Comes down. There ain't nobody here. So, well, no, no boat to take. Um, so he just starts walking. Why does, he, why does he just start walking? Well, because he's on a mandate from God to go to the other side. Now, for whatever it's worth, you have to understand, faith has substance. Now, what you have in this planet is you, everything has substance of some kind. You can, that's, you, know, you can touch it, see it. Come on. Well, faith has substance. So what was Jesus walking on? Faith. Really. You know? So, yeah, I mean, the water, sure, but he was walking on faith, knowing I got to go there, and that's where I got to go. This is, how, this, is the only way, this is the way we go. There he goes, okay? So he's heading across, and we know the story. Uh, the boys see him walking on the water, don't know what it is. They all get a little bit freaked out. Makes sense. They ain't never saw that before, right? A little different, different thing, right? Well, Jesus calms down, says, it's me. Well, Peter, of course, because he's, you know, always quick first to say something. He said, well, if it's you, bid me to come. You know, I don't know if he even thought what he said. He just, you know, if it's you, hey, bid me to come. I want to come out and see you. And so, yeah, come. You know, what's he going to say, you know? <laughs> the whole thing is like, no, no, stay on the boat. No, he said, yeah, it's me, come, you know. So he gets out of the boat. He's walking in the water. He's walking across the water to meet Jesus. And the word, pretty clear, all of a sudden, you know, uh, the wind boisterous. He, saw, he, starts, he gets distracted, and the word says he sees, the, see, you know, he gets, now he's focused on Jesus one second. Next thing you know, what happened, he gets another thought because he gets distracted, okay? So now it separates him, all right? Remember, he's walking on water. What's he walking on? Faith. Why? Because, you know, he's believing whatever he said. He said, come, I'm believing. And so he's walking on that. But the problem was now all of a sudden distracted, another thought, and he, you know, now he's sinking, Right? He begins to sink, you know, he yells out, Jesus grabs him, and again, every time I say this, I know you probably get bored with it, but every time I bring that up, I can't, I just can't picture him dragging Peter in through the water, I just don't believe that's what happened. Okay, I could be wrong, we could, you know, someday get to see the big screen and see it all replayed and find out that Peter really did get pretty wet. I don't know, but the point is, is that he got back to the boat, okay, I believe he grabbed him, pulled him, and then he gets rebuked right? So Jesus stretched out his hand and, and, and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, you're thinking this boy walked on the water, right? Right? So obviously this word, this doubt thing was in play here, okay? And it obviously opposes your believing or opposes your faith, okay? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you, why did you have a second thought? Why did you why did you let, I mean, you men, you were doing so good, right? 
And, you know, you'd think, it, you know, this boy would get the pat on the back and everybody else in the boat would get the rebuke. But he's the one that got the rebuke. And, uh, but it's, it's something you can learn from. So doubt, all right. Give me uh, the um, book of James. Let's do James 1, around verse 6 or something like that, Karen. Um, it says, uh, but let, let him ask in faith. Of course, he's talking about asking for wisdom in text, in context. But it's the principle here. Let him ask in faith, okay, or believing here, with no no doubting, right? Well, why? Why is doubting such a terrible thing? Well, for him, uh, for he who doubts then becomes like a wave of the sea. See, they're tossed around, driven around, tossed by the wind. They're back and forth. They're up, they're down. Okay, they get separated. They're, not, they're, they're hesitating. They're stumbling. Why? Because doubt comes in there and causes you, even though you're heading in a direction with your faith, doubt can cause you to separate you from wherever you're heading. So remember, the idea is to believe that we receive Whatever it is we're saying, whatever it is we're praying, whatever, thing, whatever it is we're asking. Well, what happened, doubt gets in there and it separates you from the thing you're trying to receive. So now you're not receiving what you should be receiving. Now, what, what, caused, that, what caused that separation? Doubt. Doubt did. Our doubt. Right? Now, there's, again, there's no condemnation, but we just have to understand how doubt works. Okay, let's, let's read on here. For let not that man, what man? Well, the man that's doubting. Let not that man suppose that he, get this, that he will receive anything. Now, isn't that amazing? I mean, what a, what a statement. You know, he doesn't, you know, you know shuffle or shilly-shally, whatever, <laughs> around with that. He just kind of gets to the point, you know. If doubt's in the picture, don't think you're going to get anything. Now, years ago, I don't know, I suppose maybe 30 years back now, been doing this for a lot of years now, and uh, one of the statements that always just kind of, I, I don't remember how it even came about, you know. I don't know if it was I heard somebody say it or it was something the Lord kind of gave me, but, uh, you know, if you believe it, you receive it. If you don't, you won't. If you doubt it, you do without it. Just a little statement, but it just, it's just accurate. You know, if you're believing, you'll receive. Okay, if you're not, don't think you're going to get anything. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, God's, you know, beating us up and slapping us silly because we're not believing or because we're in doubt. He's just trying to let you know this is how it works. You have to believe that you receive. And if, if, if something knocks you off that, then what happens is you're not receiving what you should be receiving. Still with me? Again, no condemnation. There ain't no guilt here. We're not here to point fingers at anything. It just comes down to this. Then what is it? we got to get ourselves to a place that we're no longer distracted with these other thoughts. Come on, somebody. That constantly knock us off or oppose or cause us to shift and turn away from or, or separate from, you know, what we're trying to receive. All right. Uh, let's see. Do I have another verse in there? Because uh, the person that's doubting is a double-minded man, and it even says he's unstable in all his ways. That's pretty wild. Well, I don't want to be unstable. I don't want to be double-minded, and I and I don't want to be the one that doesn't receive. So I so that means I'm going to have to deal with uh, this thing called doubt when it comes up. So when I find myself doubting, which I have a hundred thousand times over the years, come on. You know, you're just going along and you're, you're believing for something. 
and you're pressing in for something, you've declared something, you've, uh, you know, you've prayed something, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just like, you know, you can walk in that prayer room, you can make your declaration of faith and do all the right things, say all the right things, walk right out and, and you know, say something contrary to what you've been praying because it, you took another thought, right? And then what happens is you mess up the process, all right? Now, it's, listen, there ain't nothing about this process uh, that's complicated. It's a simple deal, but we're not saying it's always easy because sometimes we, we've got we've to get disciplined with our thought life. Okay, I'm not trying to preach Sunday's message, but we've got to get disciplined about where we're letting our thoughts go. So anyway, uh, I'll just say it this way. When I catch myself doubting, in which I have multiple times, I'll stop right there and deal with it. I'll, I'll apologize to the Father for it. And the more you do that kind of stuff, the more then, see, you're more aware when you're in faith and when you're not in faith. And most of the time, I'll just stop and I'll just say something to the Lord. Lord, I know better than this. I'm so sorry about that. Uh, forgive me. Crop failure on that mess. Praise the Lord. Right? And Father, I thank you right now. Hallelujah. I, I, I engage my faith once again. I'm believing that I receive. Praise God. And you have to keep that, that going like that. Are you still with me? Do I need to read James again? All right. Because don't, don't think that you receive anything if you're in doubt. And then you can't go get mad at God because something didn't manifest. Because you didn't receive something that you were wanting or saying or praying or asking for. Doubt is, a, is nothing to play around with. When it happens, you got to deal with it. All right? Because you, you're called to be water walkers, right? Right? And nothing worse than sinking. All right? All right. So anyway, that's, uh, that's one of these things. Praise God. Amen. So let's, let's look at another one here. We'll go back to, we're in Mark still. Let's go to Mark 5. Let's back up a few chapters here. Are you with me tonight? Yeah. Am I boring you? I guess it wouldn't matter. I'd keep going anyway. But I guess I asked, though. Um, Mark 5 and 21, um, it says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again uh, by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, uh, and he was by the sea. So uh, there's a great, great, great gathering. Now, and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue uh, came to him, uh, Jairus by name. And when he, when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Now, this is a pretty big deal. When you got one of the rulers of the synagogue that day coming up and falling down at Jesus' feet, that's pretty huge because the rest of them gave him nothing but fits. But this man was, at, was, 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 was looking for something. He was looking to receive something. This man was believing he was going to receive something. Now, hang on. Okay. And he begged him earnestly saying, my, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Look at this. Come and lay your hands on her. Now, that's, that's what he, his initial action here is. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. That's, look what he said now. That she may be healed and she will live. So what did Jesus do? Jesus went with him. Why? Because somebody released faith. He didn't, go, he didn't follow everybody. How do you get Jesus head your way? <laughs> Walk in faith. Come on now. With no doubting, right? Come on now. But walk in faith, right? 
Okay, and so he went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now he's heading in a direction. Here he is. You've got a multitude of people. This man comes, falls at his feet, tells him the thing, releases faith. This is what? If you will come, this is what will happen. Okay, so Jesus follows him, heading toward his house, right? Now we know the story. Here's the story with a woman with the issue of blood, right? Uh, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. And she had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. Uh, when she heard about Jesus, uh, she came uh, behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now remember, he's heading, where's he heading? To Jairus' house. Okay, now it's all, it's all important. All right, so uh, and she touched his garment and for she had said, right, uh-oh, she said something. She obviously came to get something, to receive something. If only I may touch his clothes, I, may be, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. She knew it, right? She felt it in her body that she was healed of that affliction. Praise the Lord. Well, Jesus then stopped, right? Immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around. Okay, now which, which, which direction was he going? Where was he going? To Jairus' house. Now he's turned around. Literally says he turned around. Why? Because somebody else is releasing faith. So he turns around now. He, he deals with this. Now, where's Jairus? He's behind him now, right? He was in front of him, but now he's behind him. We got the story? All right. You, I mean, that's just, it's just necessary to understand that. All right. So he uh, immediately knowing, uh, knowing in himself, right, that power had gone out of him, turned around and, in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And, and, of course, the disciples thinking, dude, everybody's touching you, right? Uh, you know, seeing the multitude throng on you, and you say, who touched me, really? Uh, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing, so he found her. And the, now listen, remember, where's Jairus now again? He's still behind. He had, you know, now I'm assuming probably by now he probably stopped because he probably realized that Jesus has no longer fallen him, right? So he's dealing with this whole situation with this lady, all right? And, uh, you know, then the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing uh, what had happened. Now, most people don't know why the fearing and trembling, because with the, her condition, she could have been stoned for being out in public, okay, because of her condition. But she was willing to take that chance. Amen. Praise the Lord she did, right? Amen. So uh, anyway, so, uh, so, you know, based on, you know, fear, what had happened. So he came and fell down before him, told him the whole truth. Everybody say the whole truth. Everybody say the whole truth. Now, do you think the scriptures lie? So she took the whole truth. Do you think there's a lot of truth? What, how many years? Anybody remember the story? Twelve years. Twelve years. Okay. Twelve years of suffering. Uh, and it says even from many physicians. So uh, multiple times to the, uh, the physicians. Okay. Spent all she had. So even financially. So we, we got the whole story. So that's how we found out this part. Right. That for years she went to the physicians. For years they... She just kept getting worse. For years, she kept putting all of her, her resources into it and, and just kept getting worse. Now, she, they, she, she told the whole story. Where's Jairus? Behind him. While he's, this whole story's playing out. Right? Okay. So now, whew. what's Jesus say? He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction, right? Of course, she was. Uh, but, he, you know, there it says, your faith. Okay, while he was still speaking to who? To the lady. Some came to the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Okay, why trouble the teacher any further? 
Okay, so we don't know how long this played out. Could have just been a few minutes. Could have been 15 minutes. I don't know. We don't know how it all played out. Remember, people are thronging. So there's people everywhere. Um, we, so all we know is that there was this time lapse here from, from where he was headed. He turned, dealt with this. Okay, now he, uh, Jairus gets bad news, right? Don't bother the teacher any longer. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, now he obviously heard it too, so, I, I, so that would tell me that Jairus probably wasn't too far from him. So he probably didn't go too far then before he turned around, or maybe he went away and realized he wasn't being followed more and came back. I don't know, but all we know is he's fairly close, and he's seeing this whole thing play out. Okay, and he's probably, you know, feeling, too, the pressure of, we got, we got to get going, we, we got to get going, right? Now come, here's word, it's, it's, it's too late. Okay, now what does Jesus say then? Now Jesus addresses him before he does anything. Because if we get you start talking something, we might mess this whole process up. So he said, do not be, what? Afraid, right? Only believe. So fear can be uh, one of those things that will mess up your, your faith. It will mess up your believing, uh, you know. And, uh, and so, of course, uh, he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and, and John. But anyway, he just goes on, of course, that he gets, uh, he, she gets healed and, and raised up, right? Raised from the dead. Now, the point was Jairus didn't say another word, didn't say any more, nothing. Now, the point was he probably wanted to or at least break down and cry. I mean, what would you feel if your daughter passed, right? And, you know, and you're trying to get it remedied, and then this whole thing hits you. Now, the thing that you need to understand about, um, about your faith, about believing that you receive, sometimes you have an initial action that's accurate, but you can have a miserable reaction. Okay, and sometimes, and we got multiple times, we've even taken hold the whole message on just, you know, how much a reaction can mess up things. Okay, we've got enough, enough in the scriptures, Old Covenant, New Covenant, where initial action was great, but the reaction messed up the whole thing. Okay, so what we have here is a man whose initial action was in faith. If you will come, you know, she will be made well and she will live. The initial action was of faith. That's what got him to go that direction. So that's why he stops him, you know, don't be afraid. Now, why would he say don't be afraid? Because there was fear there. I said, well, maybe, maybe just, no, I, I guarantee it, fear tried to set in right there. Okay. So we have to kind of look at that, okay. And, and most people would say, well, yeah, well, duh, you know, well, Okay, let's, let's look at it, okay? So fear, okay, means, uh, actually the word fear, I believe, is the Greek word phobos, where we get phobia, okay? And uh, it means uh, afraid, terror, uh, dread, timidity, it's all the synonyms to it. Anxiety even is part of that. Emotion, but get this, it means an emotion excited by expectation of evil. Okay, now, now hang on, because the word says fear involves torment. Okay, uh, torture, harassment, anguish. Okay, that's what, that's what the Scripture says in 1 John. All right, now fear is an uneasiness of mind upon the thought of future evil likely to befall us. Okay, now the reason that this is necessary, you know, it isn't just fear I'm going to address here. It says that fear is an emotion 
excited by expectation of evil. Now, in a, the word emotion is, is Latin for to move from, emotion, okay? It means an internal motion or moving of the mind or a reaction, all right? So emotions. Now, God gave you emotions, but you ain't called to be led by your emotions. Your emotions aren't supposed to be leading and dictating to you. You have them. You know, their fear is, is there. Now, according to the book, we should be driving out fear. But fear is no, if you really stop and think about it, how about depression, sadness, grief? We can go on and on about all kinds of emotions. Even happy, excited is an emotion, right? Come on. I mean, I've seen people make really silly decisions because they got overexcited. So it isn't always something bad that creates it. And really, to be honest, even the word even says to be angry and sin not. You can actually be angry because there's certain things that should anger you. But don't let it cross some line that you're now sinning and doing something foolish. Because emotions are there for a reason. But not to lead you. Now, a lot of, lot of people have missed out on receiving what they're believing because of their emotions. They get caught up in something, and what it does, is it produces a reaction that opposes your faith. Anybody with me? I hope you're hearing it. Many times it's the reaction, not the initial action, that'll hang you up. So if something happens, in this case here, he wasn't, you know, I, I, I appreciate the fact that Jesus said something to him first. I mean, maybe if it would have went another 30 seconds, we don't know. And a lot of people say, well, now Jesus, he would have he just not worried about it. I don't know. I, you know, you, he could have just hit the ground, just started going into some boo-hoo fit. Come on, somebody. And I'm not, I'm not making light of Jairus. That would have been a, that would have been a horrible thing to get that kind of news. All right, it would, have, it would, have, it would have tried to just sink your boat, wouldn't it? And right at that moment, that's why he said, "Do not be afraid, only believe." Now from there on, he, there he goes. Well, that man knew enough. Zip the lip, man. Don't say nothing. We don't have any more word of him saying anything. Even when he got to the house, took care of business when he got there, too. And if somebody could have gotten away and said something, did something, he just, whatever the man wants, that's what he gets. He's in charge. Of course, the young man's daughter got raised up from the dead. Whew. Now we got a whole new emotion. Come on, all right? All right. Now, so uh, you have to understand that, that sometimes emotions can get the better of you. And so you got to learn that in faith, you can't let your emotions dictate. Amen. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to just, you know, you know, kick a dead horse here and this kind of thing. I don't even know what that phrase means, one so bit. But anyway, <laughs> amen. But I tell you, uh, you know, I've even seen people get overly excited and they <coughs> mess up things. 
So it isn't just fear, although fear is really talked about a lot in Scripture, about, you know, dealing with fear, okay? But, uh, you know, it's, there's all kinds of other emotions. I've seen people go into depression. What are you depressed about? Well, you just, no, 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 you're, you're believing for something, and now your depression has turned you, has separated you from what you're, what you're, what you're trying to receive because you've now let an emotion separate you. Because the only reason you're depressed is because you're believing something else. The only reason fear gets to where it is because you're believing something else. You're believing the worst. Well, one brother says it this way, you know, you, a lot of people that believe the best but expect the worst. Whatever. However you want to look at it. The point is that that's what I'm saying. Emotions sometimes... Can you, you just have times you have to override those emotions and say, you know, my God provides, my God heals, my God delivers, praise God. That's where you go into praise. Come on, somebody. Override. Amen. If you're going to get some kind of, if you're going to get emotional, get, get a good one. Yes. Come on, somebody. Tap joy, which is, of course, a fruit of the Spirit. But uh, anyway, a lot enough said on that one. But the senses, some, or probably the emotions sometimes can really get in the way. Now, I've kind of gave up the next one about the senses. Let's go to John 20. Are you doing okay? All right. Well, we've got about, you know, four different things I want to bring out today. But John uh, 20, let's look at another one. Now, my heart is this. Um, again, we're not, we're not here condemning anybody. There ain't anybody in here that hadn't had the motions get the best of them. There ain't anybody in here that hadn't had doubt here or there. Are you with me? We're not here pointing a finger at anybody or condemning anybody. We've all been there. All right, but we've had to learn, amen, that if we're, we're pressing in for something, we can't let doubt in the way. We can't let our emotions get in the way, amen, because we're, we're looking to receive, amen. We're looking to, amen, receive, lambano, seize what we're believing for, amen, all right? And that, uh, you just need to know there are certain things that get in the way. All right, John 20, verse, uh, let's do uh, verse 24. <clears throat> now, Thomas called uh, the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. Of course, this is after he was resurrected. And the other disciples therefore said to him, uh, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see, everybody say see, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger, okay, and let's touch this, into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Dude, well, see, he didn't see. These other guys saw it, so he's just, you know, all right. Now, at times he gets that phrase, doubting Thomas. Remember that? This is where it comes from. Okay, but what's happening here, it's all about the senses, all right? So uh, after eight days, the disciples were again inside. Now, it's eight days later. And Thomas with them, Jesus came and the doors being shut and stood in the midst. Now, most, most scholars, he walked, he just walked right on through it. Amen. And peace be peace to you. And he said to Thomas, the first thing he said, Thomas, reach your finger <laughs> here and look at my hands because you wanted to look and you want to touch and reach your hand here because that's what you wanted to do, right? And put it in my side and do not be unbelieving but believing, okay? Now, the reason he, you know, unbelieving just literally means to unplug. 
If you really want to, you know, so you want, you know, you're believing, but to unbelieve, you just choose to unplug, I'm not believing. Well, in his case, he, he wasn't going to do it unless he could see it and could touch it. All right? So the senses sometimes get it. Now, the Word says we walk by faith and not by, we don't, and it really, if you bring it down, we walk, we do not walk by the senses. Now, God gave you senses. In fact, the word senses, let me define that, because, you know, the word senses means a branch of perception. So somehow you perceive through all the senses, right? Touch, taste, smell, right? Feeling, right? So you, you know, it's a branch of perception, a means to perceive. We get words like sensed or sensation or sensible. I mean, all this comes out of this word, all right? Now, the word impossible, I'm just going to throw this out here because, okay, the word impossible means that which is seen as not possible or thought as not obtainable. So the only thing that determines anything to be impossible is based on how you think or how the senses perceive it. Because it's only impossible until somebody does it. And then when somebody does it, it's not impossible anymore. But up till that point, that's the way you perceived, right? You, I, I've never seen that. I've I never, you know, 1954, Roger Bannister, he, he breaks the four-minute mile. Okay, up to that point, they said it was humanly impossible for a human body to run through the place that they could break a four-minute mile. 1954, Roger Bannister breaks that barrier. Within one year, I think it was 34 other people did it because it's no longer impossible. Well, God says nothing's impossible. See, and you, what, how do you touch that is by your believing that you receive, but sometimes those senses get in the way because of how we see it, how we perceive it, hear it. Come on, somebody, and they can really mess things up. Are you still with me? Phew. All right. So the senses, anyway. Uh, I put, um, I put uh, 2 Kings 7. If you don't mind throwing that up there, Karen. 1 and 2. Uh, this is, of course, a lot. You remember the story with the four uh, lepers? Remember, they go and they deliver, you know, the children of God, you know, the city. Actually, deliver the city. Amen. And they didn't do anything except walk over toward the enemy because they're just looking for something to eat. Right? But anyway, Elisha said this. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, uh, thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, remember, they're all starving in the city. They're locked in because the enemy has got them surrounded. Nothing comes in, nothing goes out. Pretty soon the, the city's just, they're, now they're eating stuff they shouldn't be eating. Come on, just trying to survive. They're all starving, all right? They got nothing because the enemy has shut them in. So he says this, the prophet says this, tomorrow about this time, see a fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two uh, see as a barley uh, for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. In other words, this whole thing is going to be done within 24 hours. Okay, verse 2. Uh, uh, so an officer on whose hand the king leaned uh, uh, answered the man of God and said, look. Everybody say, look. Well, we got senses. Look. So he's like, yeah, yeah, just look around, dude. Really? Everybody's dying around us right now. Everybody's starving to death. And you come in here and say, it's going to be all different in 24 hours. 
And he makes a statement, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you ain't going to be able to be, you're not going to partake of it. You're not going to eat of it. And, of course, the man did die. He got trampled to death. But uh, by that time, the next day, the whole thing was over with, right? A miracle happened, right? Come on. But people, that's where they, people get, look, man, really? Come on. Oh, no. I've seen, I've heard. I've, oh, no. I've, uh, we get caught up in our senses, and we let our senses dictate. Are you still with me? Yeah. I mean, think about how many times maybe we shut her down just because of how, how we've seen it before. Come on, I've seen that before. I know this is going. Oh, no, we'll stop, break. Keep yourself in faith. Amen, because it'll mess you up, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We miss out on a lot of God results because we get duped by our senses. Still with me? Now, these are just things, right? Remember, there, even um, uh, I think it was Proverbs uh, 14 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, right? And really, if you stop and you study, that's, that's how they perceived it, how they bring it in. It seems right. They, they, they analyze everything based on, they reason everything and how based on this and based on that, based, and they, through the senses and everything, and pretty soon this, they come up with this solution or this, this answer when all along it goes contrary to something you're believing for. Now, if nothing's impossible, you have to understand that that impossible thing is probably going to go contrary to anything it looks, the way it looks in the natural. Anybody hear me? I mean, when you really stop and you think about it, if you're believing God for something, chances are it's going to oppose anything you're seeing. So you're going to have to tap that realm and not let anything keep bringing you back to that, this realm. Because remember, that is a realm of possibility. This is a realm of limits. So every time you come down here based on senses, you've now tapped back into a realm of limits, and you just live in a realm of limits, because we're more moved by how it see, how we see it, how we smell it, how we hear it, by our senses. Still with me? You have to bypass that. Now, God gave you senses. Praise the Lord. It's nice to be able to smell that apple pie when it's coming out of the oven, isn't it? That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Come on, right? And it's a wonderful thing to know, even in the bad smells, that you go, uh, something's um, not right here. Right? And you can go take care of it because the census said, hey, you're perceiving something going on that shouldn't be going on, right? So we're not downing the senses. But when you're believing to receive something and you have your faith engaged for something, you cannot let your senses dictate. All right? Still with me? Whoo! Let's go one more. We're going back to Mark chapter 9 now. We used a verse out of this, but we'll close it with this story. One of my, I like this story. I enjoy this story. And um, uh, verse 14 says, Now when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, around the disciples. And of course, there's the scribes, these religious leaders, and I was disputing with them, with the disciples. And immediately when he saw him, or when they saw him, pardon me, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him, Okay. And, uh, of course, he asked the scribes, what, what are you discussing with them? And he said, what's going on? And one in the crowd answered. Everybody say, one in the crowd. Okay. One in the crowd answered. Okay. Teacher, I brought my son. So we know this is the father talking. Come on. Fa uh, teacher, I brought my son who has a mute spirit. He's explaining it. 
whenever it seizes him, okay, in other words, he goes into seizures, what's, what, he's, what he's describing here, okay, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid, so I spoke to your disciples, because you weren't here, but I talk, talked to them, and they, that they should cast it out, but they could not, okay, all right. He answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, or unbelieving generation, depending on your translation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And then they brought him to him, and whenever he, uh, when, when he saw him, immediately what happened, it goes right into that deal. I mean, you stop and you think about it, that's exactly what, I mean, you're, you're here to get something done, and of course, bang, it's just right in front of you, here it all goes. So the spirit convulsed him, and he fell to the ground, walling, foaming at the mouth, okay, the whole thing. And, you know, Jesus, because he is the coolest cat that ever walked the planet, didn't get all moved by it. Now, I'm, I'm a firm believer that what happened was it happened in front of the disciples, and they freaked out. Because a lot of people look at certain things, and they get more moved by it. You know, when it's a cold, they don't think much about it, but you say the word cancer, and they freak out, which cancer is no harder to heal than a common cold. Some say, well, no, it ain't. Not in the eyes of the Lord. Because you get healed the same way. Still with me? I lost some of you right there. I'm telling you, what happens is, see, we certain things we get all caught up in when all along it's the same healer. All it is is curse that needs to be bound, taken authority over, Get led by the Spirit of God, and you can walk free from anything in sickness, disease, any kind of thing like that. Are you with me? Come on. So this young boy, my, this is my opinion. I believe someday you'll get to see it on the big screen. Okay, I believe what had happened, the reason the disciples couldn't do nothing about it is because that boy went into a seizure right in front of them, and it freaked him out. They didn't know what to do. Okay, Jesus comes along. That's why they're all disputing. This is what they were all discussing. This is why they were all upset and worked up. Now, I lost you on that statement, didn't I, on there? Are you with me? Hook up here. Stay connected. Okay, get some answers here. So now, Jesus said, you know, bring them to me. He goes into a seizure right then. Jesus asked. He just asked a simple question. How long has he been like been, uh, how long has this been happening to him? Okay? He just needs an answer. How long has it been happening? I, I think he asked it because everybody's standing there. How long has it been going on since childhood? But he goes on saying, often, here we go again. Didn't we already hear this once? And often he throws them both into the fire and into the water and destroys them. But if you can do anything, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Well, I think that's a, you know, a valid statement, have compassion on us because it isn't just the boy now uh, that, that, I mean, we're all ha we've, we've all had to deal with this since he's been a child. We all are having problems here. We don't know it could have messed up his household, could have messed up his marriage, could have messed up his finance. It could have, you could have, you know, took away his, his faith in God, so to speak, you know, or something, or somehow, you know, uh, you know, whatever, all the kind of things that can happen. It just, it just, this is the way this, this messy devil, when he gets in the, in the, in the, into things and he starts, you know, needling and pulling and pushing and 
That's just what the curse does. So he's, you know, he's at this place. You know, how long has he been like this? Well, since childhood. Now, let me tell you what I have to deal with. Well, I don't, I don't need to know all that. Just, I just want to know how long has he been like this, right? Well, j- let me tell you the story. Well, sometimes, listen, sometimes we're too busy giving God our mountain tour, guided mountain tours instead of speaking to that mountain to go. Come on, somebody. Now, listen, I'm not making fun of dads because everybody's been in these kind of situations. But you have to understand, he's dealing with him here. Okay, so he makes a statement to him. Now, you think, man, geez, go easy on him. So he said, if you can do anything, Jesus said, if you can believe. Well, if you can do anything, if you can believe. If you can do anything, no. If you can believe. You're not connecting here. You're disconnected. You're too caught up in your story. You're too caught up in, come on, your past. Are you with me? Are you down on the preacher man now? Listen to me. Experience has messed up a many a miracle. Past experiences. You're pressing in for something, but the first thing your head runs to is, well, the way it used to be. Every time this thing happens, here we go again. As soon as one little thing happens, oh, here we go. Whoa, whoa, breaks. Well, you just don't know. I've seen more relationships destroyed from this kind of stuff. We're not condemning anybody. We're not poking fun at anybody. But I've seen it first time somebody says something, ah, you men are all alike. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You women, all kids are alike. Whoa, breaks. You know, the terrible twos, the miserable threes, the we go on to the teenagers, and whoa, geez, they're all going to hell in a handbasket. All I'm saying is that we we instead of, you know, you're pressing and believing God for a restored marriage or Believe in God for your kids to serve God, or you're believing God for you know health and wholeness. And the first time you get that little, oh, it's back. No. You're gonna mess up what you're trying to receive. Now aren't you glad you came out on a Wednesday night? <laughs> That's pretty weak. <laughs> I'm telling you what gets in the way. And sometimes just past experiences have a tendency to weasel their way in there. Jesus just asked a simple question. How long has he been like this? Do you remember the guy at the at the uh, uh, pool of uh, Bethesda? Is that what it's pool of Bethesda? Is that what it is? And there's sick people all the way around it. He goes in there because he's, he's sent by God to go do one man. The word says he, the pool surrounded by people all waiting for the stirring of the water. Remember that? And he goes to one man. Now, I don't know, you know, I, personally, I don't think that man released any faith in the beginning. But I believe somebody was praying for him. That's what I believe. I believe somebody was, was, was releasing through intercession on their loved one or friend or whatever, and God 
you know, remember Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I hear the Father say it, or I don't, you know, don't do anything unless I see the Father do it, or hear, say anything unless I hear the Father say it, right? So he goes into that place with one person in mind, ministers to that person, and then leaves. Tells that man to take up his bed and walk, and he does, and leaves. Now, in the process, he goes to that boy, that man, and asks him a question. Simple question. You want to be made well? Well, now, wait a minute. No, this is a yes or no question. No, I just got to tell you my story. Every time I go to that water, everybody beats me. I'm telling you, I try to get to that water, and everybody beats me. They have no, no pity on me. I can't even hardly move. And they, they just, they just, everybody just tramples me and gets out there, and everybody beats me in the water. Oh, dude, that's a simple question. Do you want to be made well? The question or the answer is, yes. Yes, I do. Right? But Jesus just overlooks that and ministers to that man and gets healed. Amen. I don't think the man hardly released a bit of faith. But somebody was praying. Everybody say, praise God for Grandma. <laughs> or somebody interceding. Come on now. Amen. Amen. All right, let's look at this. I, uh, I tell you what, let's, uh, we know it well. Let's read the rest of it. I better read the rest of it here. Okay, back to chapter 11 here. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father, looking, look at the father of the child, cried out with tears, said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now we know his unbelief didn't need help, but <laughs> he did need to get rid of it. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? But he understood right then what he meant. So obviously, amen, he got it. The boy got delivered. Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. Now, I was thinking of some, you know, stories. I was thinking of Genesis. And I don't think we've got time to go there, uh, Karen, but um, I'm not sure what what verse it is, but um, it's like around verse 14 of Genesis 18. It just, uh, remember the whole story was when, when, when um, Abraham was visited and um, he said, told, was told that, that Sarah was going to have a son and next time I come back, she's going to be with child. And of course, she was sitting, you know, on the inside the tent listening and she, um, she laughed within herself, you know, and the word says, she said, you know, <laughs> will a woman of my age <laughs> have a kid? The whole thing, what she's saying is, that, listen, we've tried for years, never had no kids. So back to a experience, he's saying, I'm going to have a kid. Dude, we have tried. Right? And then that's where the phrase, there, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Right? Well, the answer is no, right? And, of course, a year later, she had a kid. She went out to Walmart and bought a T-shirt with an arrow that said, baby. Well, I don't know. Maybe not. So, anyway, uh, another one I think of is, is, um, is Jeremiah. Okay, Jeremiah 32 and 27, a common deal that, uh, you know, says that, um, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? That's what the Lord said. Now, the Lord is answering Jeremiah because with he's answering Jeremiah with his words. Okay? Because Jeremiah, 10 verses earlier, is talking to the Lord saying that you are, uh, you know, you are a great God in whom there is nothing too hard for you. 
And he goes off and begins at first, the next five verses, talks about how great God is, what all he does, and how good he is, and all he's done. But then there's this word, but. But God had asked him to do something. And now, first few verses, you're so great, you're so good, you can do all things, you're, you're it, man. And then, but, you don't understand what I'm up against. These people. And so the next five verses talks about all the problems that why this thing that God asked him to do, he can't do. And so God answered him, I'm the God of all flesh. You know, you think of all these people, your problem, I'm the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? He used his words. Is there anything too hard for me? You're going to say that a few people that, that aren't with you is going to be something too hard for me? See what I'm saying? Now, the point being, again, what was Jeremiah being moved by was past experience. Every time I try to step out to do something, these people try to knock me down, try to get in my way, pose me. Well, you got to watch it. See, that's easy to do. That's easy to do. And we've all been there. Well, you know, it's just, you know, there's no way. Every time we try to do that, it just falls flat on us. Don't go being moved because today, see, you know, you know, somewhere along the line, the script, you know, the scriptures a lot of times say immediately this happened. Now, we know that immediately, you know, it took a while for immediately hit <laughs> in some of these situations, right? I mean, they may have been believing God for a year, but immediately everything changed. Well, somewhere along the line, if you just stay in faith, immediately comes. Amen. Now, like one brother said, you know, he says, you know, not everything always happens overnight, but it starts one night. So somewhere along the line, you got to get yourself in faith, stay in there. Not, you know, this thing here that's always been this way can change. That can change. Don't let it come along and knock you off your faith and cause you to not receive what you're believing for because of some past experience. Did you get something tonight? Yeah. Woo! Got through all that one, huh? Praise the Lord. Why don't you all stand up and let me pray over you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And these are just, you know, basically, you know, four or five things, whatever it was we brought out, that uh, things that kind of oppose your, your believing. And uh, these are just some major things. If you just keep them in check, amen. And I'll close with what I started with. Um, you know, I... I apologize to the Lord when I find myself doing something other than believing because it, it, it keeps me uh, more aware. Um, when I cross a line with people, I try to immediately apologize because I hate apologizing. Right? I don't like to apologize for something I did wrong. But it's necessary to do those kind of things because it not only hopefully makes something right, but the main reason for me is, man, that marks you. Yeah, I don't like to have to always go and say, I'm sorry, right, for being an idiot or whatever, you know. So you next time you're going to be an idiot, you stop. So I found that even the same thing with the things of God, sometimes when I find myself in unbelief or in doubt or being more moved by how it looks or how I feel, 
Come on, somebody. I'll stop and apologize to him, say, Lord, I know better than that, and get myself back in faith. Right? So when the next time it tries to roll in, you catch it, keep your faith engaged. Amen. So, amen. So uh, to me, I think it's just practical stuff. All right? So, Father, we give you praise and glory once again. We're thankful for the word tonight, thankful for these principles. Thank you, Lord, for a people that had an ear to hear and a heart to receive. Thank you for there are people of faith, a people that believe, that they receive. Hallelujah, what they say, what they pray. Hallelujah, what they ask. Praise the Lord. And I give you the praise and the glory for it. Father, forgive us for the times that we have, you know, crossed those lines and, and we were not believing like we should have been believing. And uh, we just know that you're faithful and just to forgive. We receive that. We thank you for that. Praise God. And we choose from here on to move forward. Amen. Press forward and engage our faith, praise God, to receive, amen, what we're believing for in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.